Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is from Stacey Abrams' book, Lead from the Outside. Call it success, leadership, confidence, or any of a dozen descriptions. What we're in pursuit of is power. The power to control our lives, to change our fates, and to win what some have been raised to take for granted. Welcome to the podcast that's all about the voice, which means it's all about power. Who has it, how we get it, how we sound when we have it. I'm your host, Samara Bay, and this is Permission to Speak, where we can throw all our best ideas about how to get ourselves heard into the pot and start. Today's guest is Mina Harris. She is the founder and CEO of the Phenomenal Woman Action Campaign. That's like a little more than a t-shirt company. It's basically a movement at this point that connects so many of us, as well as one that shines a light on and raises funds for all kinds of important social causes. From Families Belong Together, which helped with the crisis at the border, to Higher Heights, an organization that supports women of color and leadership. I wanted to have Mina on because she has worked in so many rooms that are hard to get into. She graduated from Harvard Law School. She's worked in tech, in corporate, in the social justice space. She did youth vote organizing for Barack Obama's campaign in 08. And she's also worked on her Aunt Kamala's campaigns for Attorney General of California, as well as her Senate and presidential runs. (laughs) We talked about how to handle intimidating spaces, how to not suck at meetings, how to speak up and how to not, and what it takes to center our stories for ourselves and for our kids. This is Mina. Mina, hi. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Being here doesn't even mean anything anymore. Thank you for joining us remotely. It's great to hear your voice, still feeling that connection. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of a weird time. Um, 
I'm really struck by how many different industries you've worked in or are working in from corporate to law to politics to tech and how they sort of all run on meetings. So I'd love to dive in here first in terms of, you know, our listeners and all of us thinking about how we're using our voice, um, literally and metaphorically, like mm-hmm. what what actually happens? What do, what have you found is first of all, what's like what's like meeting Mina? Like what what's your style? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, also like what yeah. do you hate? What do you hate? Or like what you know? Hate's a strong word, but like what really doesn't work in me? Oh my god! Well, I will use the word hate. I I mean it's like a full on <laughs> meme now, but you know meetings that should have been emails. Oh, like yeah. I. I So to answer your question, meeting Mina, it's funny, you know, I think actually my meeting style is is different in different contexts. I would say that, and I think this goes to probably what a lot of what we'll talk about, right, in terms of how you use your voice in different settings. But Mm. I would say sort of in the corporate professional space, it's very direct. It's like about business. It's about like efficiency, like let's get this done, right, to the point of um, not having, uh, you know, unnecessary meetings that could have been handled via email. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more sort of, you know, I guess about business, maybe even a little bit more uh, formal in that way. And I think probably that comes more from my corporate law background than it does tech, because tech is, I think, much more, um, can be much more sort of casual. And then on the flip side, I think with Phenomenal, um, I don't know, it's interesting. I guess I, I do think that I'm a little bit less formal, I think in part because the nature of the work is just so different, right? I mean, um, there's a lot of external partners. A lot of it is creative. So a lot of it is like brainstorming and um, kind of working through different issues and how we're going to talk about them, learning about them. So I think that that one is a little bit more kind of like me and <laughs> maybe there's a little bit more, you know, humor and it's a little, feels more maybe like closely connected in terms of the the teams that I work with. So yeah, there's definitely a difference, but I would say that the professional sort of meeting Mina, uh, <laughs> corporate Mina is definitely kind of more about business. Do you feel like that also is related to the actual makeup of who's in those meetings in terms of gender and age, or is it not that and it's much more about the actual like industry? I think it's more about the standards that I hold for myself. I mean, I guess if I'm to think about that, I probably carried over, yes, some of that from the corporate law context where it's much more, you know, formal and buttoned up and, um, you know, you're presenting to a client or, you know, presenting to a partner, to a boss, and it's sort of much more um, maybe pressure to feel like you need to, you know, perform and impress I'm not at all saying that's a good thing. <laughs> I also feel like it's not a bad thing. Like, I think it's sure. too easy for us to be like, we should always just be casual. But really, there's a reason that we read a room and, you know, react uh, accordingly. Exactly. And it's been one of the biggest, I would say, you know, things that I've learned and adjusted to going from, you know, big law into tech, which is tech is much more informal in many different ways. And part of it is, as you said, reading the room, it's adapting to different cultures, right? And and work styles. And when you think about leadership, you know, within a company and outside, it's sort of like you have to think about, do you want to be that type of leader that adapts to different cultures mm-hmm. and work styles? Or are you the type of leader that's like, I don't care, I'm going to do what I want to do. And you can guess, you know, I, I have opinions on sort of who's more effective, but I think that's what it comes down to, right? Are you being effective? Are you communicating in a way where you are developing 
you know, influence and followership and buy-in, right? I think that's that's what it comes down to and, and people feeling invested and passionate in what you're doing. And I think that's key, right? To anything being successful. And I absolutely see that with, you know, phenomenal woman where, you know, I think you cannot miss my passion and enthusiasm for that. And um, it's about, you know, how do you get others to um, feel that, right? And to feel moved by that um, so that they're just as invested, and I will say that there have been moments where I have found, I felt frustrated, right? Where there are work styles that I preferred from corporate law and ways of sort of doing um, business and doing work that are simply just not the norm. And I've had to figure out, you know, how do I adapt to them in a way where I can still be successful? Hmm. In terms of like having to, okay, so we need to soften here and we need to actually like have a chat about how everybody is before we can get into business when really I'd like to get into business. That's that the, totally one of them. Yeah. Totally yeah. one of them. As a, as a type A, I hear that and I'm like, I see you. <laughs> Which is not to say, I mean, obviously I'm also like a wildly friendly human who wants to know about people, but you know... That's when it's like, let's do that over drinks. Exactly. And I think part of it is just, you know, generational, frankly, too. I mean, that's also culture, of course. But I definitely, you know, kind of grew up and was schooled in, you know, the thought that like, you're not, you're not going to work to make friends. You're going to work to do work, right? And it's just, you know, the culture is different in different places. And I think as well, like I said, in the corporate law context, there's a very clear kind of separation between those two spaces, Mm. Um, you know, happy hour versus like when you're at work and in meetings. And I think part of it, I mean, just to be very, um, you know, to like really break it down, part of it is that you're literally on a billable hour, right? Mm. Like minutes are dollars, right? When you're in a, a corporate law context. So you really don't want to be wasting, you know, time when you're on the clock doing things that are are not contributing to the work. So, but, you know, again, I think it's something that I, I've definitely learned and I think has made me probably, I hope, more of an effective leader where it does go a long way to just stop and say, hey, how are, how are you, right? Like, how's your weekend or how are your kids? Um, again, to your point, like, I'm such a, I'm a very warm, you know, person. I'm very interested in other people and and want to know how their kids and, and lives are. But I've traditionally sort of reserved that for a certain time and space. And I think that the lines are a little bit more, you know, blurred in, in tech, for example. Well, and I would also argue that there's like a little bit of a false dichotomy that we might be sort of accidentally falling into because I also think there's something about, I don't know when you're entirely in a corporate or legal context and you're really just like solving a problem and moving on. But if you're actually working with people that you work with, like on a regular mm-hmm. basis and you have a shared history, there can be something that feels very friend-like in actually doing the work together and caring together about a thing, about, you know, solving this thing that's in front of us. So it's not just like we're cold Absolutely. when we do the work and we're warm when we talk about our lives, you know? There's like this really gorgeous nebulous space that we often are in with our with our real collaborators where we're not talking about our, our lives outside of the room and yet we're bringing ourselves. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think, again, it depends on the context and the nature of the work. I find that that comes out a lot more in the work that we do with um, Phenomenal because it's about, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is talking about issues that impact human lives in, you know, serious ways. And there's more emotion. There's more, you know, sort of getting in touch with the the issues and, and empathy and, and all that stuff. And I think 
to your point, there are ways in which, you know, we it's important to bring those perspectives into the room, even in, in more formal corporate contexts, right? If you're talking about um, really sort of being creative and doing interesting work and allowing the team sort of the space to connect in a way that's going to lead to to better mm. work. I think, you know, it's just funny. I've seen it. I've also seen it go kind of like off the deep end where um, it's like you, it's, it's a little bit too much, right? And so I think part of it too is you have to establish the boundaries, you have to establish sort of the standards and the culture so that it doesn't sort of get away from you, right? I mean, that's part of leadership for sure. Exactly, exactly. Not necessarily saying out loud, you know, we can talk about our home lives for five minutes and then let's switch. That sounds like a little too much, but you know, something by modeling, you know. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so to back up real fast, you worked at Facebook, at Slack, at an international law firm like you're talking about. You worked on the campaign for Barack as well as for Kamala. I want to know about, like, what makes you intimidated? Wow, what makes me intimidated? You've been in so many rooms, right? I mean, we're talking a little bit about reading those rooms and knowing when to speak up. I've come to, just in my own sort of like self-awareness and journey, I I think that the moments when I've been most intimidated are when I feel like I don't know enough or know everything, right? And I, I experienced it, I think, really um, intensely for the first time in law school where, you know, it's new material. It's just, it's a totally new world. And I wasn't one of those people who came in sort of there, I had a lot of classmates that, you know, had like done pre-law and were like really kind of academic, you know, in like legal um, space before coming to law school. And I think we're kind of much more immersed in it. But I felt like there were the moments, you know, in class where, and you can't know everything. I think that's part of like the, the understanding of the journey. But I think those are the moments where I felt intimidated, where it's like, I didn't know everything perfectly. I didn't have sort of full expert, you know, knowledge of a certain issue. And therefore felt intimidated about, you know, speaking to those things, whether it was like a case in class or, you know, in political context and, uh, you know, some sort of um, policy issue. And then maybe perhaps the intimidation also came from being surrounded by people who I did perceive as sort of, you know, knowing that stuff and being really, you know, accomplished or, or knowledgeable, right? At my law firm, as an example, I mean, it was one of the most formative professional experiences for me in part because I was just surrounded by some of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think there's obviously an intersection there of, of of confidence too, right? And I think part of that in my own journey is is knowing what you don't know and being okay with that and being able to say, you know, uh, depending on the context, you know, I, I, I need to look into this more, but here's what I do know and here's how I would respond to it based on what I do know. Yeah, rather than maybe in those instances choosing not to speak at all, right? Just acknowledging the limitations and still, you know, offering contributions based on what you do know. Um, and I think that's obviously better than and than not, you know, th- than staying silent, which I've definitely done before. Uh, I, I did it a lot in law school. I sort of just chose um, not to to speak up as much as I probably would have because I didn't want to make mistakes. I didn't want to seem, you know, not as knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so much there. There's so much there. There's a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, first of all, just, just, it's okay to not speak up sometimes, you know? Like, absolutely. For so many of us, especially when we're feeling like we have to prove ourselves, which is all of us all the time, 
Not really, sure. but like, you know, a lo- they're, they're, that's, a, that's like such a universal experience for people. Right, right. Um, the sort of like take me seriously and to know that there is a strength in, in you know, quietly observing and sort of collecting exactly. your thoughts, which we sometimes forget. And also knowing what you're talking about before you talk, right? Like there's definitely something to that as well. Right. But also like it's so hard too because like there's so much leniency with white men when it comes to that. Like they can think their thoughts out loud as they have them and they may not even end in a particularly useful place. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're having them out. You know, and I don't... I. Oh, is that something we should be aiming for? I don't know. I like the freedom of it. Right. No, I think, I mean, it's a balance, right? I think, yeah, historically, you know, white men have been accustomed to to to, to speaking when they want to speak, um, regardless of how knowledgeable they may be. And I think we all can learn from that, uh, perhaps. But I also think it's important to acknowledge that historically they've been rewarded for it, right? Mm -hmm. And that is not the case for women or uh, in particular for women of color, Um, that they are sort of given that presumptive, you know, um, credibility or uh, power or, you know, assumption that they uh, know what the hell they're talking about. If they don't, right. If they end up saying something that doesn't make any sense, people will think, I probably didn't get it. Right. Uh, I think, (sighs) was it Michelle Obama? There's a quote, or I think maybe it was from her book tour, but I think there was a similar question, and she said something to the effect of, it was basically like, once you finally get in those rooms, you realize that, like, they're not that smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just oh, as yeah. smart as you are. And I think that was definitely my journey with law school. I would say it kind of, I, I really kind of gained that, you know, real confidence and, you know, the intimidation was happening less and less when I was at my law firm practicing, because I was like, you know what? I do know what the hell I'm talking about. And I'm advising, you know, major clients and they're taking my advice and it's going well. And like, you know, <laughs> it's like, what else is there? <laughs> right. Like, in, obviously there's some validation there. And there's, um, you know, again, back to the leadership conversation. Part of that was like having a really great boss who gave me that autonomy and gave me that confidence. And, you know, so there's so many pieces to this. But uh, I do think that part of it is like, you know, recognizing what you don't know, being confident in the things that you do, and being willing, uh, you know, to speak up when there's sort of that in-between space of not entirely knowing, but like still having, you know, something to share. But then also to your point of not, you know, taking up space when you don't need to. And when somebody else who may be more, more knowledgeable should be the one speaking, especially if it's not a white man, right? Because we know that most often those voices are diminished. Um, there's this whole concept of the shine theory. Yes, I, I was right? just talking about that. Yep. I was just thinking, because right, because part of the solution obviously is having leaders in any context that are, you know, just historically outside of power. I mean, that's the point of this podcast. Like, how do we how do we just call right. ourselves the, you know, next generation of leaders? And that's that. <laughs> um but also, yeah, part of it is about our allies along the way mm-hmm. who can help those those moments, help help us feel like we can speak up in those moments and that we'll be supported. It's not just like us versus the world. Exactly. And that there are ways that each of us can, quote unquote, speak up that is not for ourselves, that could be right in the service of others or in the, this, you know, shine theory, which is developed by um, Aminatu. So she's the host of the Call Your mm-hmm. Girlfriend podcast. And the whole concept is that when you shine, I shine. And therefore, if I'm helping you to shine, I'm helping me to shine. I'm helping all of us, right, to shine. There's this amazing story. um, I think it was Obama White House female 
staffers that adopted this technique where if one woman, you know, said something in a meeting that was predominantly men, the other woman would would repeat what she said and said, oh, you know, I really agree with what so-and-so said. Um, I think that's a really good point. And, and continuously, like, give each other credit, right? Yeah. Because they knew that as they were building each other up, that was emphasizing it to everybody else who was listening, which, you know, obviously means that, for one, like, men could not take credit for the ideas. There's this whole— right. Um, it's like a meme, right? Like you, uh, you say something and it goes, a woman says something and it goes like ignored. And then the man, like five minutes later repeats it. And everybody's like, that's a great idea. Great. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever said that. It's like, we know I just said that. Right. (laughs) Can I get some backup? Right. And then, and then, then your allies are like, yes, (laughs) I have been preparing for this moment. No, and actually what you're saying is also so valuable. Whenever I, whenever I think of shine theory, I think about it from the point of view of the person who's, who's, you know, sort of sharing the scary idea into the meeting. But Mm -hmm. what you also help me remember is that it's also from the point of view of those allies. And that is a way to build up our, our like, you know, meeting confidence is to say Absolutely. those things, to just practice saying what Mina just said was so great. I just want to make sure everybody heard that, you know, I mean, can we just, idea. how, how amazing does that make you feel when you're in a <sighs> meeting, especially if you may already be feeling intimidated when somebody, you know, validates you and someone says, you know, that's a really good point. I love that idea. Oh my God. I mean, we should all do that with each other anyway. I mean, we absolutely should. And that's the whole concept. And I think if you just right now put yourself in a meeting when somebody says that to you, it's like, wow, that felt so good. Thank you. And I I just had this, you know, burst of confidence to, um, you know, continue with my idea and to continue sharing that. And I think just putting yourself in the shoes of that person and knowing how good that feels, like that's just so easy um, and part of it is, you know, again, it's it's um, a, a listening technique, right? Like back to the leadership being effective, you know, right? This is something that we can all be doing, not only to lift up others, but to just like do better work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And also what a lovely gift to just be able to be the person who says, I just want to shine a light on what that person said. As a unit of communication, we're often thinking about units of communication in terms of like, I have to give this speech or I have to do this difficult conversation. But to think of it as the, the like gifts that we can give that we where we don't really have any agenda of our own except for like for the sisterhood as a whole. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a really nice, that's a really nice reminder. And it's also so easy. It's like the easiest thing you can possibly mm-hmm. do, right? Well, so this is like a natural segue because Phenomenal Woman feels a little bit like the t-shirt version of Shine Theory now that no, I think about it. I love it. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. I, I heard you say somewhere that what's great about these shirts, and for anybody listening who doesn't know, which is like six people in the whole world, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you should probably tell the story, not me, but this, I know this came out of the 2016 election. And you thought it would only last for like a month or something, right? Yeah, no, that I mean, you got it right. I, I'll, I wanted to just jump immediately to, as you said, it's like almost shine theory in a t-shirt version. I love that, which is one of the most just uh, extraordinary, amazing things about it was when we first launched the campaign, which was on International Women's Day. And as you said, it was to raise money for women's organizations. And all of these women were posting pictures in their T-shirts, right? And imagine this was like the first time ever that people were like wearing this shirt and putting it out on social. And the reactions were just, oh my God, it was amazing. Just like the the self-love, right? To put it out there. And then all of the comments of people like, oh my God, you are phenomenal. Like I'm phenomenal. (laughs) We're phenomenal. It just became this like huge love fest of like, you know, self-affirmation, community (sighs) affirmation, all these people lifting each other up. And I think it was just, it was extraordinary. You know, as you said, it's like 
somebody to put that out there is, is sending a message like I'm I'm willing to you know lift myself up and have the confidence to put this out in the world and it was clearly inspiring that in other people not only to build up that person and say like fuck yeah you are phenomenal but also like wait a second I want to wear that shirt because I'm phenomenal too and you know like people would send me photos where they you know were like at their local coffee shop and they they ran into a, a woman who they didn't know who's like wearing the t-shirt and then you know they <laughs> take a photo and send it to me and you would think that they were best friends but it becomes this little you know like club mm. of, of just like <gasps> self-love and community love where you know you see people and you're like oh my god right we're all phenomenal we're all part of the same you oh know, my god that's so club. gorgeous we're part of the same tribe yeah exactly it's a beautiful thing yeah. You said once that it it makes it easy for women to make a powerful statement. And I think that we know about the powerful statement. We know about women. But the making it easy part like, right. cannot, cannot be overstated. Right? Absolutely. We just need these like gentle, gentle ways that we can work on speaking up for ourselves. Totally. And it's, you know, it's about meeting people where they are and that it doesn't have to be this big leap of, you know, whatever is that thing that intimidates you. Right. It can be something so small and uh, nevertheless meaningful. And some of the most inspiring moments for me have been um, women talking about it like it's armor, right? That it get, they derive mm. power and strength from it, ranging from wearing it to meetings, right? That were like a big, important meeting where they were, you know, giving a presentation or otherwise um, felt sort of, you know, intimidated and wanted to go in with confidence, I've had other women, you know, send me photos when they wore it um, while they were giving birth, when they were going into labor, right? <laughs> um, and like this idea that it's almost this, you know, like it, it, you derive superpowers from it. It's like this cape or this, you know, armor. I just love that. And I think part of it too, you know, around this conversation around sort of your individual voice and speaking up and what that means for each person is that as much as it is universal, right, and that women are phenomenal and um, we we deserve everything in the world and and to speak up and and to be heard, but it also has such unique meaning for individual people on any given day, right? So one day it may you know you may have the phenomenal mother shirt and you feel like you've been a shitty mom all week and you just need to put that on to remind yourself, right? I have that one, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, you know, there's others who said I had a deadline to meet, and I had to just, like, jam and, you know, get this done and did an all-nighter, and I wore my fucking shirt, and I did it, right? And I feel so good, and I, I just had to put it on because I yep. had to accomplish this big thing. So, yeah, it's just, it's so small, um, and but it, it's it's really beautiful and meaningful. What's beautiful, what I'm hearing you say, is that it's outward and inward. Yes, yes. I came across, when I was when I was thinking about talking with you, I was rereading Presence, the Amy Cuddy book. Oh, uh-huh. uh, And she said this line that made me think of this. She said, sometimes there's a, during life, you know, sometimes there's a process that involves fitting our true self to the situation or mm. role that we're in by choosing which core values and traits to render visible. Mm, I love that. Right. It's such an, the whole idea, I mean, what, partly what she's saying is that we do have to sort of like, you know, fit ourselves into these weird situations and not bring parts of ourselves into the room that would be, you know, whatever, taken wrong. And right. that's a 
whole thing, and there's so much intersectionality to be discussed there. But right. also, when we're talking about what our core values are, what the things we don't want to leave behind are when we go into those rooms, right. the right. idea of how we render that visible, you know, literally visible by wearing it on a shirt, is also just a reminder of like, yeah, and I can bring some of that with me. I can bring the fact that I'm a mother into this, you know, professional context and not apologize for it, normalize it, in fact, you know, exactly. or I can bring, you know, some aspect of my culture that is not what the dominant culture is. And and mm-hmm. rather than apologizing it for it, knowing that it's, you know, whatever, it's a strength. It's one of the reasons I was asked into this room. Exactly. Yeah, I think it makes me think almost of, like, there's a difference between assimilating and adapting. And I mm. think that, to me, I feel like adapting, when we talk about adapting to a culture, or I, I, it just feels like there's more intentionality and choice to decide which pieces you want to make more visible while you know, being effective, right? Whereas mm, I feel like- That's this, beautiful. I, and it also ties in with what you were talking about earlier about leadership in a, exactly. in a really specific way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Okay, so we're back. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about this totally one-of-a-kind experience that you had growing up with the grandma you had and the mom you had and the aunt you have. I mean, I guess I'm wondering, like, what you observed in how they communicated in different contexts. I mean, it's some of the stuff that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. but when you were sort of first aware of and what you've taken with you in terms of the sort of, you know, specifically moving through private and public spheres and also this legal versus not. Because all of you guys have had this yeah. law experience and it really does something to someone, right? In, in a not bad way. Yeah. But it is these like, you're really aware, I think, of modes. You know, it's funny. I don't think I became aware of it now that you're talking about it. Like, I don't think I became aware of it until I myself was in a corporate context in part because like nobody else in my family ever had been really in a corporate context, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
my grandmother was a researcher and scientist. My, you know, my aunt was, um, a, you know, in public service, right, and was in politics. My mom was also a public interest lawyer, right? And so now that I, I'm kind of thinking back to, like, what did I see in terms of different modes, I frankly, I feel like the I really saw, for the most part, one mode, which was more of the kind of, like, activist you know, speak up, shout, you know, speak your mind, fight the power, right? Like bang down the door. I mean, for sure, for my my mom and my grandma, I guess I suppose in some ways in, in that formulation, you know, I saw through Kamala, my aunt, um, you know, doing it more from the inside. But nevertheless, you know, she was, she chose to do the work that she did from the perspective of, you know, fighting for communities um, that don't often get, you know, access to those institutions to be heard or to be, you know, protected, which is to say that, you know, it was about criminal justice reform and racial justice, um, just as it was for my mom. They were just doing it sort of from two different uh, spaces. But nevertheless, I, I felt like for all of them, it was still very strong. But I think when you're talking about simply, you know, using your voice, it was really kind of, frankly, this one mode of being strong and powerful and speaking up and not being afraid to do that. Whereas I think this, you know, kind of corporate stuff or even, you know, there's all this stuff around like code switching. I don't think that I really appreciated that until I was experiencing it myself. You mentioned code switching. Is it something that you think about? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when it comes to, you know, your own culture and uh, personal, you know, culture and norms that may be different from, you know, the space that you're in, which is more likely than not going to be, you know, predominantly white space, especially if we're talking about corporate. And masculine. Let's just throw it all in, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to have to do that. Um or, or I, I should put it another way. I mean, this whole conversation is about, I guess, I suppose, like choosing to do that or not. Well, part of the reason that I'm always talking about how to use your voice to get what you want, you know, I'm I'm using that phrase deliberately because it's really not about there being a right and a wrong way or like a, a sort of morally better or morally worse way. It really is practical, right. you know? I mean, I would right. like us to all feel like we live in a world where we can bring whatever feels culturally honest to us into the space. But, you know, we don't always live in that world. And maybe it's our opportunity or responsibility to change the spaces that we're in once we have a little power, but it's not necessarily our responsibility on our way up. It's risky. Yeah. I think that that's the part that is really hard, that people feel that they need to hide certain parts of themselves or speak in a way that is not natural for them or what have you, in order to succeed. And there's fear and insecurity attached to it. Well, that's what I mean, that, that they should have the responsibility lifted. If it's about safety or about, you know, literally your job is on the line, you are not the person who needs to be, you know, making a political statement about this. My version of this, which is totally like A to C, but it's a, it's an analogy that f- feels right to me, is when I'm working on a TV show and I'm surrounded by like no people who have children, I should say no women mm-hmm. who, of, of childbearing years, because 12-hour days on a TV show, you kind of can't unless you have like a really, right. really wild set of, you know, childcare 
solutions. Exactly. Yeah. And so then there's me. And, you know, often there's like women who are younger than me who don't have kids yet, who don't know how they possibly could and also still work in this industry, you know. And so in that context, when I do feel like I do have a corner of power that I can stand in, then I fucking love to talk about my kid. And not because I'm talking about him because like, oh my God, I'm that mom, but because I'm normalizing that shit. Exactly. It's my responsibility in a way that feels satisfying, not in a way that feels heavy, you know? Right, 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 right. And as you said, that it feels safe. 100%. And it's not going to affect my job. It's only going to affect the next generation and how they how they mm-hmm. think about their own, you know, freedom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not the same in every context. And will I necessarily bring my kid up in a job interview when I know it's some like, you know, older guy who's going to be judging me for mentioning my kid because it's going to have some implication for whether or not I would be focused on my job? No, it is my responsibility to take care of myself in that context, you know? Right, which is sort of like the sad truth, right? I think we're all working towards a world in which we don't have to do that, but it is the reality. It's sort of, you know, what we aspire to versus like what we currently have to deal with and just be real about. Yeah. Yeah, I had this really interesting experience. It was about a year ago. I was interviewing John Thompson, who was at, you know, IBM forever and I believe was... Uh, like vice president there, right? Like very high up. And Stacy Brown Philpot, who's the CEO of TaskRabbit. And Stacy was talking about how John was, you know, an inspiration for her. He was a model for her in terms of what she, like the next generation of what she wanted to achieve in her career. And having them both on stage talking about, you know, things like diversity and inclusion and how do you show up in the workplace as your authentic self was really quite a moment for me where, John said, you know, he showed up at IBM with his with his fro and his jeans and everybody there was, you know, clean cut and they had suits and briefcases. And so he cut his fro mm. and he put on a suit. And I was just sitting there like, oh my God, like, wow. But of course he did, right? Like, of course he did. And Stacey's sitting on the stage with, you know, dreads, right? And she's the CEO of, you know, a major company. And it was just this amazing kind of moment of recognizing, you know, how how far we've come in some ways that Stacy is now able to feel confident in wearing, yeah. you know, her natural hair to work in a way that John Thompson was not. But just that there's sort of still a reality in what he experienced, right? Which is, and I'm sure Stacy experiences it too, which that, you know, she can show up with her natural hair, but I'm sure that's not without a cost mm-hmm. in some instances for her. I'm sure it's not, it's certainly not without thought of, you know, how it might be received, but she made that choice and in doing so makes it obviously, you know, she's setting that tone, right, from leadership down that that is something that um, is accepted and celebrated. I mean, my God, like, let's be clear, you know, in California, we just passed a law that protects, you know, natural hair from discrimination in the workplace. And the point is that we needed a law because there was real discrimination and harm that was um, happening for people in the workplace. And when we're in a position of power, when we're able to do the hiring or, you know, lead a team, one of the things we can think about is the ways that we can sort of loosen some of those, you know, or not even necessarily loosen, but just question some of the assumptions that have been handed down to us from that older generation that's aging out. Right. And and model it yourself, right? I think that that is key, is that it, it does feel authentic in that, you're actually doing it versus just saying it, right? That, that's when it really comes down to like, are you actually modeling the culture that you're, you know, promoting? So speaking of modeling, you have a 
kid's book coming out, and I want to talk about how we raise our kids. (laughs) Tell me about this book. It's not out yet. It's not out yet. It's coming out very soon. It's going to come out on June 2nd. We have a whole pre-order campaign right now that's really about supporting local bookstores, um, which was, as we know, been hit pretty hard by this, you know, public health crisis. And so I'm really proud that we have a whole campaign around supporting local bookstores. But yeah, you know, it's the whole book is really about everything we're talking about, right? It's it's this family I grew up in. It's these stories that I heard as a kid about my mom and aunt um, when they were children. And it's just that, that they, you know, at, at a young age were taught and, you know, demonstrated this uh, strength in speaking up and, and confidence and and deciding to, you know, have big, bold ideas and to, and to go for them and to figure out, you know, how do you lean on your community? How do you come together and draw strength in numbers to make your voice even more powerful when people tell you that you're too small um, or that, you know, it can't be done, right? It's basically everything is shine theory is what you're saying. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) It all goes back to that. But it's really, I think what I, what has been so fun and, and meaningful is that obviously it's something that is special you know, as I think about raising my own girls in the same way and, and sharing that experience with them of, of growing up in, in the household that I did, but sharing it with people all around the world and little girls around the world. Well, I should I shouldn't say little girls only. It's for it's for all kids, right? But whose stories we center matters because, you know. Exactly, ugh. exactly. We know that girls of color and, and Black children especially are still woefully underrepresented on bookshelves and we have a lot more work to do there um, in terms of, you know, again, representation, whose voices are are elevated, who do we listen to. And also, you know, as somebody who's raising a white boy, which I think about very seriously, I really want to mm-hmm. make it clear that he can work that muscle every day, that empathy muscle of seeing a story about someone who doesn't look like him and thinking, I get that. I get that. Absolutely. Well, we also know, you know, that when we talk about Things like, you know, cultural norms around sexual harassment and do we do we treat girls and women as fully formed as humans. humans who are capable of saying yes and no. Like, this is basic stuff, but it starts so young. And because of a lot of the cultural, you know, harmful social norms that we have, you know, so far kind of instilled within kids, like, that's what it turns into. Yeah. And you can catch that stuff early. You can you can really do good early on if you're intentional about it and, and counteract some of the stuff that we know happens later on, um, which is is very basic. Totally. It feels in my home, especially like now that my home is my entire life, like it's a form right. of activism when, you know, we're getting these horrible, horrible messages from, from you know, from Washington, from the outside, from the people that, that think that they're in power. And, and just to be able to say, like, we're right. changing the story right now, right here, tonight at bedtime. Yes. You know? Exactly. And it's interesting, yeah, for you to say we're changing the story. I mean, I part of what inspired me to do the book is that I spent a lot of time as a new mom with my first kid literally changing the story, yes. changing he to her, coloring the skin in um, the character's brown, <laughs> yes. you know, and I sort of, you know, when you talk about activism, part of it is just deciding, like, I'm going to go get, go out there and I'm going to go do it. And that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to write the damn book myself because I'm not seeing it. And I, I want my girls to have that, you know? And in that way, too, I think that there's so much of what what it's about that, again, is basic, but that really adults can take away, I think, big lessons from that, too, right? I've spent the last three years through Phenomenal talking to many adult women who are saying, you know, what can I do? How do I show up? How do I speak up 
right? How do I use my voice in a way that is meaningful and impactful? And it really comes down to basic stuff um, that, you know, I don't want to downplay how hard it can be, right? But if you're if you're kind of actively pursuing it and thinking about it, you can do it yourself. You can read your kids that way and it can be something that just becomes second nature, right? And and that is absolutely how I was raised and something I wanted to share with other people. Completely, it's completely. And I think you're right. I mean, obviously it can feel really intimidating when people say like, you know, speak up, do whatever, stand up for yourself. But if you're thinking about like the incremental steps, if you're thinking about like, I can change the pronoun for my kid, or exactly, I can, or exactly. you know, what we were talking about earlier, like from the the shine theory, from the point of view of the person who's doing the, like I just want to point out what Mina just said. You know, those are these like little ways that we can like literally make our bodies get used to what standing up for ourselves feels like. Exactly. Okay. Last question before the break. Any comments people have made about your voice that you wish you could unhear, but you can't? We've had a lot of conversation about the corporate context and. <laughs> how much it can harm all of us. But I think there's also um, points during that journey that I can uh, point to that I felt like it wasn't necessarily that I, um, that I was being like silenced, but there were moments where I felt like I was pushed to question my voice or change my voice. And in particular, there was a tech company that I was working at and one of my male coworkers said, you know, like you're very direct and that can be off-putting to people. And, you know, (laughs) right. Like, oh, I feel like we've all heard this before, right? Uh, At this point, but the, the kicker was, he said, you know, I would recommend that you put more exclamation points and emojis in your communications to make people feel more comfortable. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you want me to add more exclamation? Like, did you seriously just say that to me? And my first thought was, you know, wow, would he say that to a guy, right? Yeah. But, you know, it it was also, back to kind of the original conversation, it was a moment of, for me, learning to adapt to different, you know, work environments. Did I put more exclamation points in my communication? <laughs> Fuck no. Like, get out of here. But, you know, there were other ways that I thought about quote unquote, like softening, right? Because it was it was clearly a place where that was valued and that was needed. And so I think the lesson for me is being able to understand when somebody's like bullshit and literally trying to silence you versus being able to draw out, you know, what could be constructive hmm. like feedback, yeah. right? It's the email equivalent of smile more. Oh, absolutely. No question. I mean- like literally use, literally use like <laughs> smiley face emojis. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it's also, it's also, what a, what a, what a story to underline the fact that like, you know, in many ways, this feels like a losing battle because for as many people as, you know, will be listening to that and, and see themselves in that situation, there's all the people who have been made fun of for the exclamation points in the emoji because it's on, it's quote unquote undermining exactly. And in particular, you know, you hear women talk about that, that makes people think that they're not professional. Like, it's just, it's like lose-lose, right? Like, you can't win. It's also, like, the vocal equivalent is 
this this idea of like, should you lower your voice in order to be taken seriously, like pitch wise, you know, which I mean, there's like this classic, you know, Margaret Thatcher sure. in the 70s was, yeah. went to a, a, you know, like a theater coach who who taught her to speak lower. And then all of a sudden it worked and she ran all of England, you know. Right, right, uh, right. And then, and then, and then the, you know, other side of it is that a lot of us have learned how to do some version of talking higher or up speak or whatever in order to get what we want in other contexts right. where we can all read the room and tell that like a little bit of unintimidating, don't worry, I'm fine, is going to get us what we want more. And, you know, there are benefits to both. There are drawbacks. to. It's like we have so many more tools at our disposal than we sometimes think we do. And, you know, obviously there's just a lot of emotional shit wrapped up in that. But if we can, you know, what you said about finding the aspect of it that's constructive is probably really useful for people. I mean, like, obviously we can just like shout sexism or we can say every single one of us needs to adapt to every room we're in if we want to, you know, get what we can the most out of that room. (sighs) Right. Exactly. And it's deciding, I mean, that back to that quote you gave at the beginning or read at the beginning, you know, what parts you want to make visible, right? Right. And what's non-negotiable. I mean, that's also what we're talking about. Exactly. 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 Mm. Oh, Mina. <laughs> so it's all, you know, call, call, call the bullshit when you see it and decide, you know, what you're going to take from it to better yourself so that you are more effective, not so that other people are more accepting of you yeah. because of their own insecurities or issues or biases or whatever. Yeah. Like, are you just enabling their shit or are you actually helping yourself and helping them? And then it's a team effort and you can convince yourself of that aspect of it. And then you know what? When you have a little bit more power, loosen it a little. Ooh. Exactly. This is all the stuff. This is all the real stuff. And we're not even talking about how to like actually break the glass ceiling, but we also are. We actually also are. Yeah. It's just like how you talk. Oh my God. (laughs) And also like, like ourselves at the end of the day, you know, like- Uh, Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and find out whose voice you've brought in for us to listen to. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Okay, we're back. So, Mina, who have you brought in for us? I have brought in... She's sitting right here next to me. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish. I, I wish. Oh, my God. Social distancing. Social distancing. <laughs> in my dreams, um, Alicia Garza, who is a dear friend of mine. She's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter and is the founder of Black Futures Lab and is just one of the most extraordinary people I know. Yes. I'm so glad you brought her in. I've been just like relishing going back and listening to a bunch of her stuff. I pulled a little a little something here. Okay, here's Alicia. I simultaneously feel grateful and exhausted um, and tender. Tender is the word I would use. Um, but I'm very fortunate to have a squad that has my back. And... Um, one of the blessings of having been an organizer for almost 20 years is that I am never allowed to forget where I come from. Ever, ever. I mean, she's such, she's such a lesson in how to be in the middle of your thoughts in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Exactly what she said is sort of who, I mean, it's, she's like, it's, she's tender. She, there's something so calming about her and almost there's like this teacher quality to her sometimes, right? Like a patient, kind, almost like protective teacher who has your back, but who's also brilliant. And it's just like, you just want them to keep talking at you, right? And just like, keep talking. Totally. There's this moment she says at the end that's like, right? And she does it a lot in this whole thing where yeah. it's like it's a it's yeah. um it's a real check-in with this room full of hundreds of people. This yeah. is a this yeah. is at a University of Chicago, um, like, you know, whatever, some academic uh discussion. And it's an answer to a question from the audience. But she's like, whenever she says that right, she's not seeding the floor. Mm-hmm. She's not saying I'm done. She's just like She's so, she's so, and you, you know, you know her personally. It sounds like this is, this is just, I mean, I, I can tell, but it sounds like this is real, but she's just like so in possession of herself. Absolutely. And being able to do that in front of an audience, you know, I mean, as she says it in that little clip, which is partly why I like that clip, the sort of lifelong community organizing, you know, I get the impression mm-hmm. and, and it's beautiful to see her in front of a crowd, not just in a, you know, commencement address or a rally type of context, but something like this that's sort of gentler. Uh, she's sort of mm-hmm. like, it's the same thing of I'm me and you're you, but actually we're us. That mm-hmm. I think all of us mm-hmm. can learn from. Yeah. It's just sort of like total, exactly, acceptance and you just feel like wrapped in a blanket when she talks. Uh. <laughs> there's a there's an inclusivity. That's what it. I mean, she's also like talking about really tough things and not necessarily yes, yes. saying like you know we're all the same. Exactly. But there's a playfulness yeah. and a lightness because of that inclusivity. I feel like because she's saying you know what I mean. Exactly, and she really draws you in. Oh, it's uh, I I came across a Martin Luther King quote recently that made me think of her. She, it's, he said, um, "A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus." Mm, absolutely, yeah. Like people don't even know that they're being kind of drawn into. I don't know if that's right. That does that sound that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. That sounds manipulative. But like you know, it's like it's like before you know it, you're like, well, obviously, what she said makes sense. Right. Obviously. Right. Right. <laughs> 
Well, and there's, it's work. It's your molding. It's right, a, right. It's a process, right? It's not just like talking at people. From the audience, it feels like that. Exactly. Right, right. Oh, like you're being molded. God. Yeah. And also, I will say, you know, partly what she's talking about, but partly literally her voice in that, in that clip I picked sounds really tired, you know? But I also think that sometimes mm-hmm, we think that we have mm-hmm. to have like this, this perfect polished voice. And she's a fantastic example that like right. polish is not the thing, man. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard during the work she's doing is hard being that connected, being that engaged. Exactly. She's not not into it, but it costs, as you said. It costs something. Yeah. There's labor, emotional labor. Yeah. Right. There's something so, you know, that thing we all know, but we have to sort of figure out how to do of vulnerable actually is powerful. She's really like doing with her actual voice. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think we're, all of us are getting probably mm. more comfortable with that now in terms of this moment that we're in, it's true. right? It's so um, the thing. This crisis, this emergency, and everybody is experiencing something in some way. And um, to pretend otherwise is, you know, it's going to be very obvious that you're pretending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just not going to, you know, resonate with people. That's right. That's right. And thank you for mentioning that because it's, you know, obviously present for all of us right now for this conversation for everything, you know? for trying to keep our kids on the other side of the door, you know, for whatever. (laughs) Exactly. The little things um, that we have to do, like hiding in our own houses. Yeah, I really think that honesty, especially when it comes to our vulnerability or however we want to, however we want to think about the the stuff that's that's feeling hard for us is a real strength right now because it is a connector. I mean, you know, to to, to think, to to act otherwise is is disconnecting in this time when like we all just, we all just, you're like so yearning for connection, whether it's because people are living, you know, at home alone or whether we're just trying to say like, hi, hi world out there, are you feeling what I'm feeling? And the fact that we can like all in the entire world say yes is such a moment we should ride and not try to fight, you know? Right, yep, absolutely. Oh, well, on that note, <laughs> thanks for writing it, uh, <laughs> it with me. Um, Mina, this is such a delight. Yes, thank you. I love that you joined me in the virtual space that is the podcast. Thank you to Mina for joining me. You can find out more about her in the show notes or on our website, permissiontospeakpod.com. Please also go to the site if you have any awesome quotes or any questions you want to submit for my next mailbag episode. What is getting in the way of your voice? I always want to know. Also, feel free to send DMs or voice memos to our Instagram at Permission to Speak Pod, where we are posting a bunch and join the community. Thanks as well to Sophie Lichterman and the team at iHeartRadio, my family and cohort and all of you. We're recording this podcast at various locations around Los Angeles on land that used to belong to the Tongva Indigenous Tribe. And you can visit usdac.us to learn more about honoring Native land. Permission to Speak is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Vision, executive produced by Catherine Burt Canton and Mark Canton. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows.
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.